Inside the halls of American hospitals, billions of people find comfort, healing, and support. But for many doctors and nurses, this couldn't be further from the truth. This podcast will dive into the shadows of American healthcare to investigate and uncover the abuse, control, and political power plays that leave the very people responsible for our nation's health broken and battered. We're sharing stories of professionals in medicine that have experienced horrendous treatment at the hands of a broken system that does nothing to stop the trauma. As the Association of American Medical Colleges states, long before the Me Too movement, women in medicine have instinctively banded together to counter a culture that too often tolerated harassment. From systemic trauma to abusive power to the unspoken rules of cover-ups and corruption, Mandy Irby and Phoebe will take you to the darkest corners of healthcare in America so you can have an inside look at bringing humanity back to medicine. Sensitive content warning. This podcast will share details of triggering subjects such as sexual assault and workplace violence. So if you aren't in a space to listen, respect your mental health and tune in again at another time. Hey y'all, and welcome back to another episode of the Pulse Check Podcast. I'm Hee. And I'm Mandy. And today, Mandy, I think I've pretty much figured out a solution for how we can get evidence-based care in yeah. hospitals. Fast, implemented fast, boom, boom, boom. I'm pretty sure I just fixed American healthcare. Oh, well, that's really exciting because that's our whole podcast is diving into the halls of healthcare and how can we improve the healthcare system for all. So I would love to hear if you fixed it, tell us. Yeah, surprise, it's the last episode. I fixed it. It's all done after here. <laughs> we are done closing up shop. No, I'm just kidding. But here, here's truly um, what I'm thinking. This thought came from the research, and we can link it, that it takes about 17 to 20 years for evidence-based practice to get into hospitals and be implemented. And it blows my mind because we're in the age of email, and every doctor in America has an email address. Why doesn't the Board of Medicine have a list serve? of all the emails and as things get published, get sent out, recommendations get updated based on that. And you've got 12 months, maybe 24 months to get it implemented in your hospital. I'm sorry to laugh. <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh. It's so uh, simple. I'm sorry to laugh, but I do really applaud the simpleness the like simplicity, simpleness isn't a word, but the simplicity of your fix to the seeming problem of the biggest problem in America <laughs> practice. The biggest problem in America is no one's reading their emails. I mean, nurses don't read their emails either. I got yeah. penalized, like talk to all the time. Please read your emails every time you come to work. And then there's like 30 and it's overwhelming. It's exhausting not to read emails to identify all of the ways that we need to change all the time in healthcare. Like you're constantly getting new machines, new processes, new policies, new procedures, new in-services, 
new ways to do the things that you've been doing all the ways. So it there's there's always a lot of change. And the professionals that have been in practice for a while, I'm like, how do you even cope? Because they've gone from paper charting to um, electronic charting. And that's just like one of the things that has changed in such a big way. So if it were just information access, I think that, yes, you've nailed it. <laughs> Listserv. Done. <laughs> Done. Thank you so much for that. That has solved it. It is not, however. And also something that's come up it's been interesting. Some friends of mine, Jen and Paula have done, have started this. I think it's like monthly or maybe it's quarterly book club. It's not a book club though. They read articles. It's like a research conversation. Totally. Yeah. It's like a, it's called maybe unit meeting or something like that. And it's really helpful to listen to two professionals who are advanced trained nurses go through research and read it and process it, like get out of it, what they get out. That's different than how I read it. And it's different even how like they're reading into parts of the research that the researchers left out, right? They're like, wait, what about this? Where would this, this would go here, but I don't see that information or this would be a question I would want answered. And I don't see that in this information. Mm -hmm. So it's telling that everyone is going to read it differently and translate it differently into their own care. Like you see in perinatal healthcare, take the ARRIVE trial. Like is, that's not the most controversial trial that we've seen in our time frame of being in the perinatal space. Like some people are like, oh, I love this thing. I carry a printout in my pocket every day. This is really helpful for my practice. And then like, if you really look into it and you're critically thinking, you're like, wait a second, this doesn't match my patient population. This doesn't match any of the boundaries that we have or parameters set for labor support. This is a bunch <laughs> of squish cheese with holes all up in right. it. This <laughs> isn't real life. This is flawed and Curious. possibly corrupt. Like they took, took numbers out. I've heard of some pretty like questionable. Yeah. Things. There, there are huge questions around that specific study, but some people love it. And some people are like, eyes wide open about it. Like this is questionable. It is a place to start for more research mm-hmm. and looking at our own practices and what is different and same about the way they did it. Yeah. Everyone is going to translate it differently depending on their agenda, depending on their, where they're coming, their biases, their education, their understanding of what's going on and their ability to read a research article. Yeah. And that takes skill. It takes education and it's a learned skill. And I think beyond the email listserv, couldn't we be in the same spaces, like different professionals learning together on the same topic in the same spaces? That's something that we don't have. And you know what really highlights that? The nurses march. We're fighting for and talking about totally different things, different professions in healthcare. Nurses are over here like we're possibly going to get our pay capped by the government through the travel agencies getting limitations, like all of the stuff that they're asking for safe staffing and safe breaks and safe work conditions. Patient ratios. Patient ratios are evidence-based. Like they've been documented. They've been requested by nursing organizations, governing bodies. They've been researched and 
we're not getting them. And nurses are pretty much the only ones asking for it. Also are, kind of bare minimum, like can I just come to work and like know in my heart, like trust you that you're not going to put too many patients on me, that it's going to be literally dangerous for me to do my job. Right. Like can't I just wake up and have that <laughs> at least? I think that's what people think happens and they expect that that is what work is and it's not. And we're like shouting and shouting, nurses are shouting and shouting and like, where's the rest of the professions in healthcare? Like backing this. Yeah. We should all be asking for this because this all affects patient care. Mm -hmm. The fact that nurses are leaving affects patient care. The fact that nurses aren't paid, can't leave for sick days, don't have safe staffing affects care. Mm-hmm. that the patients receive. You can only do so, each individual can only do so much without the rest of the team being there, doing their best, providing safe care. So if everyone got the email that the thing that's hurting patients is patient ratios, then everyone should be on board. This should be pretty but see, clear. That's the thing is that if the listserv <laughs> If the listserv did its job well, then when the research came out showing nursing ratios, that hospital has 12 months to get their ratios under control. No questions asked. If you don't, he he's coming. It'd have to be a whole team. It, I envision it almost like the CIA, but we're not secret. We're just like really professional. We have the ear mics and we have the watch mics. We have all these things to keep patient outcomes so... at a hundred percent and patient safety at a hundred percent and providers and nurses protected at a hundred percent. Like I really envision this being something that is, cause you, you gotta be fast, right? It's gotta be swift. When research hits, you have to have a team that analyzes it and spits it out. Is this worthy? Is it good? How are we going to implement it across the U.S.? And then boom, boom, boom. We're doing it. We're making moves. But this country is slow as shit. So I don't don't know how realistic that is. I think that's saying that a government agency is responsible for... No, 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 no. This is like, I would be, I would be the CEO of it, but I wouldn't be mashing the send button. I thought you meant like who would be in charge of sending this out and making, keeping it like on, well, we would have a team that managed it, but. Who's the team paid, paid by? Who's the team paid by? Because that affects the information that's distributed, right? Well, However, it could just be paid out of like tax money. And then since it's a third party, it remains unbiased. It's funded by the government because maybe it's funded by the NIH because it really is about the health and safety of the entire United States, but it can't be within the government. It has to be a third party. And that's why, that's why no one from the government is coming. He, he's coming. And I promise you, you'd rather the government. You do not want me walking into your hospitals seeing yeah I mean abused and stuff doctors to be quivering in their boots all right that's that's one idea that's definitely one yeah, I like the listserv yeah I think it would be very expensive but I imagine it being <laughs> broken down into like entire listservs and then obviously by like specialties probably and then also you would have to have like regional maybe even state which made me think when you said like no one reads emails okay I hear you also guilty I 
despise email. I have people manage my email because it just gives me so much anxiety. I also just launched my first app, the Birth Lounge app. It's like evidence-based, data-driven, weekly updates for pregnancy and planning for your birth and all that jazz. So I'm thinking, what if we You want me to get on an app? Well, I'm just thinking we had an app instead of a listserv, and then you don't have an email to read. You get an alert on your phone, and it goes, hey, you are a cardiologist, cardiology nurse in Wisconsin specializing in this particular surgery. A new study just Mm. got approved by the CDC, the governing body body of cardiology, and the Nurses Association of Mm. Wisconsin all have backed it up. It came out 15 days ago. Your hospital has been alerted and you guys have until May 19th of 2023 to get it implemented. We can't wait to see what you guys do. <laughs> well, then, serious. then the question would serious. be, where does all the money come from to implement these new changes? Because the changes the are expensive. have the money. Take it from the CEO's pockets. It's making $6 billion a year. The money is there. Don't Thank tell you. me it's not. Reallocate it and make your hospital safe. This is what I'm talking about. People don't want me coming to their hospitals. You want to know where the money is? What'd you make last year? Mm-hmm. And what $6 was your bonus? Dollars. And I am yeah. not trying to take money out of people's pockets. But if you'd like to ask me where the money is, then let's open up your books. Let's find it. You're having mm-hmm. trouble seeing. I'm happy to help you see clearly. Mm-hmm. If you know where the money's going and you don't want me up in your business, find the money. Suddenly, okay. private healthcare is not profitable. <laughs> It should not be for a profit. Healthcare is is not something that you should profit because someone has then to no one's that do that patients and that's not okay. Then Health no one's going to do it. For, well, then, I mean, that's I think it. I think you're opening up. I think up. you're wrong about that because I think doctors and nurses don't do it for the money. Some, some people do. No, they don't do, they don't own the healthcare companies. It's not doctors and nurses. It's oh, the oh, own. Oh, it's the CEOs. It's the about. owners. It's the it's the conglomerates. Yeah. I still think you're wrong. I still think that at some point, because did you know that fifty percent of medical students also will go on and have an MBA? I just learned that stat. I hope I'm saying that right. I think it was fifty percent, or maybe it was fifty percent of medical schools now offer an MBA. Those are very different. All right, listeners, I will have to get back to you on whatever that status, but it was astounding. So what I'm, what I'm trying to draw the conclusion to is medical people who get into medicine because they love patients are also now starting to get MBA. So they understand the business. So the crooked CEOs that are there, fine, you don't want to do it anymore. There's a long list of people who not only care for people and care about medicine and want medicine to go in the right direction, but they also have the business skill. So get out. If you don't want to be the CEO anymore because we're changing things up, that's fine. There are people who will be your predecessor and honestly, they'll probably do better at your job. We appreciate your time. Adios. (laughs) And you're off the listserv. Exactly. And you're canceled. (laughs) You don't have access to the app. Okay. I'm laughing, but also (laughs) this is fun. And this is like, if we had coffee, we would be talking about this. I think that you're right about, like, I see your point. I mean, I see your points and they're, they're all valid. I see your point in disseminating information quicker. And you and I talk about this all the time on here. We're like, oh, thank God for the internet. Nurses, physicians, students, PAs, we're all able to, we're, 
you all have your own PA TikTok where you're yeah. like PA influencers all yeah. over the country, all over the world. You're able to like make fun of the status quo or uplift the status quo or dismantle the status quo within that realm. Same with nurses, same with physicians. There's OBGY influencers that are <laughs> doing their own share of it. Did you say that? <laughs> I did. I love saying it. I just plug it. There's space for everybody, but it allows us to hear it, see it, feel how it tastes and decide for ourselves. And we were only able to see that little tiny piece if we were in that work environment or if we moved offices to another work environment. But now with traveling, we're more mobile. I mean, traveling's always been there, but it's bigger and the need is bigger and the internet. And so what you're saying is we've got contacts for everyone. We've got this information. Let's whittle it down and get it directed so that we're now on the same page and there's some accountability to the profession. However, it is not like we would argue that we can't make those changes. That's not our responsibility. That's not what's keeping everything held up. It's all the red tape. It's all the expense, but you're saying that's part of it is like, everyone needs to know about it and telling, this is how I work, like telling the ones who care and can make change with themselves individually is the start is part of the system change and system yeah, changes. So, yeah. Personally, when I hear people say it can't be done, we can't, that is not an answer. That is a lazy way out. Yes, we can. We may not have ever done it in the, in the past, but we can do it. Sit down and let's think about a solution. If you do not want to do that, please take yourself away from this table and let someone fill your chair that does want to fix this. There are plenty of us out there. Yes, we can do it. Stop saying we can't leave the chair and go into therapy of course. and come back because I think everyone at the table currently wants this. But I also think that they, that we collectively have been traumatized to the brink and totally. you're either one step away from leaving, which is totally healthy and valid Yep. or you need, and we need therapy. We need trauma therapy. We need help outside of our jobs, professionally and personally, because it bleeds into everything. And then we decide, do we want to come back and make individual changes on ourselves mm -hmm. and on what we have the capacity and willingness to make change for, or have we gotten the therapy and we're like, you know, this is not, this is not where I can be. I, I think we say, oh, we can't do this. We don't have an effect. I walk, I work with nurses every day who are like, we have no power. We're, whoa, 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 we just have to realize where it is. And if you can't activate that, get professional help. We all need it. Totally. We all, we all need professional help to get us out of the brink so that we can think clearly about what is our role now. Yeah. Because a lot of change has to happen. You're right. Yeah, it's so frustrating when I hear people who work in healthcare or in hospitals or in administration or management say that can't be done or we can't do that or this is just how we've always done it. Okay, great. We are broken AF. If you would like to hang out in this rubble, be my <laughs> guest, but please do it away from me. I am trying to live here. This feels like Chernobyl to me here. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We're well, trying to build something. Yeah, I think have. medicine was in a very sweet spot. I mean, obviously this was the very beginning of medicine, but when it was super patient-centered, your doctors were coming to your house. It was like all- Based on racism? 
No, no, not at all. Based on the patient care provider, I understand the, the racism piece. Based on the, the patient care, the patient provider relationship that patients were centered around. There's everything that has to be fixed. Otherwise, I mean, medicine wasn't wasn't what it was, the infection rate, the death rate, the racism, obviously, this was the beginning pinpoint. But the, the base of medicine of caring for people, keeping people that patient centered, that really human connection in medicine, that's the very first seed that is that's the feel that I want to get back to. I don't um, know if medicine is, and what we know is medicine has ever seen that. I think of it as like home birth midwives. How so? Because medicine, when like doctors came to your house was top down, it was not patient centered. It was, I brought the things that you need and I'm going to fix you. Or it was like faith-based. And so like the members of the church would come and like try to heal you with poison and take the devil out of you. And that was medicine. It wasn't patient centered. It was church centered or man centered or white centered. I think of if there's a patient centered model, the model that I know is granny midwifery, home birth midwifery, old midwifery was like team centered, family centered. Yeah. I don't know of any medical model that's been patient centered. Yeah. But that could be a topic for another podcast because I feel like we're getting hee hee in the feels. You can just always see my wheels turning. Over. I know. You're like, no, it was good. And I'm like, mm, not, any not according to my education, but let's find it. That's why I think like when we talked to Claire, she was like, we're not burning down the system, but we do have system changes that need to be made that we can build off from what we have, we can build off of that. We know what we want to see. Yeah. We model it from what we have seen and what we no don't see, and what we know, yeah, yeah, what we don't see currently and try to build off of that. And maybe we should just invite Claire back because she just makes us feel good about the possibilities. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, we can do it. I'm like, oh. I really believe we can do it. My only fear is I'm fearful that I won't see it in my lifetime only because of how slow things work. But that's why- you have this urgency, fire under your ass, this blister, fire under your ass. We got to get that app made. <laughs> I'm going to be dinging people's phones all the time. Okay. Only then every birthday, my anxiety is going to get a little bit worse. And people are going to get a little bit more dings. Like I'm getting closer to 100. We have to get this stuff fixed. <laughs> okay. Tech startup. He he. I see you getting this app out there for every single healthcare professional. Nobody better steal my idea either. This is my idea. It is May 19th, 2022 on recording that this is my idea. <laughs> Don't steal it. It's such a good idea. I know right. it's pivotal. <laughs> tell us, tell us what you think about the listserv on Instagram at pulsecheck.podcast. We will have some posts up for discussion on what is your app fix for centralizing information dissemination and healthcare and getting updated evidence information into the hands of the healthcare providers outside of the hands in a timely fashion outside of the hands of the hospital owners. Hey, I like it. It's, it's, it's an idea. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Thanks for your ideas. Hee hee. Anyway, (laughs) anyway,
anyway, we'll see you next time on Pulse Check Podcast. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. We wanted to leave you with a quick stat and something to think about until we see you next time. According to a 2018 report from the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine, the prevalence of sexual harassment in academic medicine is almost double that of other science and engineering specialties. This presents a serious danger that ripples into patient safety, clinical outcomes, and burnout, which leads to costly loss of talent. How much safer could medicine be if nurses and physicians weren't also battling sexual harassment day in and day out? If you or anyone you know has a story to share, please contact us on Instagram at pulsecheck.podcast. We'd love to share your story.